when it comes to that viral moment, we talk about this foundation of a brand strategy, what it looks like. Without that, that viral moment is so short-lived. If you don't have the good product to lean back on. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast, hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? In short, a good time, great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I'm here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. I don't know about you, but I am ready to chat. Are you ready to listen? In this episode, we are covering building your brand strategy with Lisa Poe. Lisa is the founder of LGPR with nearly a decade of experience in marketing and public relations. She believes in the power of meaningful relationship and works passionately to support brands with shared values in the food, fashion, lifestyle, and wellness industries. Lisa is also a mental health advocate and a proud wife and dog mama. Aren't we all? So get ready. Let's talk marketing with Lisa. Lisa, welcome to Let's Talk Marketing Podcast. Today's episode is all about brand strategy, and I'm excited to have you on here as a resident expert. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive into this. Perfect. So let's get to know you a little bit, okay? We're going to start before we dive into like really talking marketing and strategy. I want to hear what was your first marketing role and where are you currently at now? My first marketing role, plot twist, was actually in sports right out of college. I worked at NPR and was very, very passionate about it. I was convinced that was my future forever. I very quickly realized that wasn't what I wanted forever, although there were some great moments. And now I own my own business in talent management and brand strategy. Perfect. It's full swing. I like that. Sports, media, a particular sport? I was a baseball fanatic. I played softball my whole life and I could tell you any MLB player's batting average from the years 2002 to 2013. That's a good fun fact. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I was very passionate. I worked in collegiate athletics though and baseball, football, tennis, and golf actually. I like it. Well, now I have to know who your baseball team is because you got to have a baseball team. Or do you fluctuate? This is controversial because this could be bad, but I'm a Yankees fan. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a Giants fan, but not so much that it will divide us. But yeah, I'm good with that. We don't hate (laughs) each other. I just feel like our listeners should also know who your team is because I like that allegiance. But let's be honest. I'm a college girl through and through. So like Florida Gators over everything. If we go major leagues, we're going the Yankees. My whole family's from New York. Okay, well, now we know this. Now we know it. I would love to know in your current role, what do you love about what you do? But conversely, what would you take out of it? It would be absolutely perfect if I could just remove this one tiny piece. So first, what do you love? Second, what would you take out? What I love is that, and I feel like this is almost going to sound cliche, but I really just get to work with people I love we got to handpick each other in a sense, like the brands I work with and the individual creators I work with and talent I work with. We just have phenomenal relationships. I just remember thinking my first trip as a business owner to New York for this event for one of my clients. And I'm like, how is this? I'm working right now. Like I'm going to New York. 
to do this amazing Pride Month event with people I love and the brand that I love. And this is my job. It was very surreal in that moment to be like, I'm working right now. So the people, I would say, what I would pluck out of it, as much as I want to say I'm not, I am ultimately a little bit of a salesperson, let's be honest, right? I have to promote products, sell them, and also basically pitch and sell my talent clients to brands. Even though it's more than that, I think that salesy outlook leaves a little bit of an ick in my mouth sometimes. And also there comes the hard conversations about money and negotiations, which I am such a relationship first person that sometimes the transaction part of it can make me feel some type of way. But good news is, is it gets easier with time and it gets more authentic with time as you build those relationships. So I would say like the salesy aspect is a little bit tough for me sometimes. That's true. I think marketing and sales often get conflated where people assume that if you're really great at marketing, you're going to be really great at sales or vice versa. They're definitely their own beasts. And I'm right there with you. I'm not a big salesperson. Let me just tell you what my honest opinion is. That's what I can do. And then let's move on. But man, put in a quota. It sucks a little bit of the fun out of it. Like, wait a second, we're going to get further along by having that relationship and having that conversation. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. But when you own your own business, as I'm sure a lot of people listening or even you will know is that sales and money part, it's a business. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's my job to go to New York and hang out and put on these amazing events with brands and talent alike. But it's also my job to make money from that. So there's a lot of layers. But yeah, the sales part is tough for me sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to be a salesperson, but I kind of am. It's balance. All right. Now, what are your go-to social media networks for inspiration, entertainment, and education? I feel like this is going to sound so millennial-esque of me, but for inspiration, as much as Instagram can be curated and things like that, I probably find my most inspiration from that platform. I just think it's so developed in a sense that it's been around longer. There's more creators on it. There's more of a strategy to it than there are to newer platforms. So I'd say inspiration, mostly Instagram, a little bit of TikTok. But I'm going to give TikTok the entertainment piece because I have a dedicated scroll hour now (laughs) in my days. And let me tell you, 90% of that time goes to TikTok simply because I like want to be entertained. Yeah. I'm always laughing from that app. I also embarrassingly have landed on boy band TikTok. So I'm there now. And I'm like, why am I watching NSYNC concerts from 2001, which were phenomenal, by the way. I don't know, like pure entertainment. Education, I'm going to go old school here. I'm going to say Pinterest. And I'm going to bring Pinterest back to the top here. I've been planning some trips recently. And man, it has saved me. I just will be like, where to stay in this city and options and what's good and bad about them. And I'm a planner. And so it's like been the ultimate education slash resource. So I'm going to give Pinterest a nod. Ooh, I like that. Three different social networks. I love that you schedule time for entertainment when it comes to especially TikTok. I don't know about you, but I will go through the endless scroll, which I love the scheduling. That's fantastic. Now, final question before we do dive into strategy is how do you stay up to date on trends? Because I feel like this is a tough one. So I'm really interested selfishly. So I'm asking all the guests. 
You know what? This is a tough one. And I will say at the beginning of starting my own business and when I worked in the corporate world, it was easier for me because I had a little bit more time. As my business has grown, it's become more of a challenge to find that time to stay on top of things. So I will really, really lean into networking groups. I have a few meetings that I'm part of, and I am so grateful for them for sharing news articles that are coming out in the industry and things like that. I have created amazing relationships with fellow managers in the space or people kind of in the space. And we check in with each other every two weeks and we talk about these things. I also am very grateful to have connections at large platforms like Meta and TikTok. And they keep me very up to date. But I think the main thing here is I have created content for fun for a long time and kind of been, I say this word like I'm not an influencer by any means, but a creator. And I think that creating content and being active on social personally and having that background and still doing it when I have time has been like a huge piece of staying on top of how people are editing videos. Yes. Like I do it personally. So I think it's very helpful in that sense. It is a really great way to stay up with trends. The groups is huge. Any shout out to the couple groups that you're part of? Yes. I am part of WIM, which is Women in Influencer Marketing. We're both part of WIM. Huge shout out for WIM. Go, Jesse. Shout out, Probs. Hi, Jesse. Hi, everyone. I went through WIM. You guys are the best. That is probably the largest group of very, very impactful, amazing women. And I will say the other one that I want to give a shout out to is Social Assembly. It is specific to talent managers, and there's about 12 or 13 of us now. And we all have such different backgrounds and talent, but we're all doing the same things now as independent managers. Yeah. And man, if I don't learn so much, every like on our biweekly calls, they are just not only wonderful people, but they are just an amazing resource for me. And I'm so grateful to both WIM and Social Assembly. I would say those two. And it speaks to your tendency towards building relationships as well. Being able to be open enough to learn from somebody else, I think is what a great way to truly stay up on trends. And especially like whether you see yourself as a content creator or not, I think really understanding InShot or CapCut or transitions or sounds, I feel like that's key. I would imagine it also helps you in like negotiations as well too. Because there's nothing worse than someone wanting to work with an influencer or creator and then having like literally no idea how long that video takes to create. So when you come back with edits, like what are you really asking for? Let me just give you either the raw footage and whatnot. We won't dive too deep into that, but like what a great way to stay up on trends, actually be on the social networks, whether you're social or not. Yeah, exactly. And I will say it is helpful as a manager because I know how much work it is that I think a lot of brands or people outside of the industry don't understand. Agree. All right. Now let's roll up our sleeves. Let's talk marketing, specifically building out brand strategy. Okay. So walk me through the steps of developing a solid brand strategy. This is a big question. I'm going to try to keep it concise for everyone listening and try to speak and simplify it, I guess, because it very nuanced and everything is different. But I will say that the tactics and execution 
of strategy will differ from brand to brand, of course. But there is a common denominator for most, if not all, brands building a brand strategy. And it's a really good foundation. And I think there's pieces to this, to building that strategy out. So you have to start with, first and foremost, a good product or service. Yeah. Something genuinely good that is either backed by studies or something that has helped you in your life or the founder or creator, whatever the case may be. A really good product will help sell itself. It's the foundation of a good brand strategy. And I know that sounds simple, but it's very important. Clear messaging comes after that. What is this? What's the name of this product or service? What does it do? How does it solve people's problems? Getting clear on what that is. Another one is presentation. So whether that's packaging or a logo or whatever it may be, making sure it's all working together, it's attractive, and it's something that people want to learn more or be part of. Again, I'm touching on the big pieces here. There's a lot. But then I think kind of the next step or next piece to building a good brand strategy is having a team that believes in promoting this product or service. And that's building that out. That's having the resources. And sometimes it's one or two people. And sometimes it's 20 to 30 people, depending on the size of the business and brand. Last kind of for the foundation of brand strategy is that target consumer. Who are you selling this to? Who does this solve a problem for? What's their demographic? What are their interests? What are they doing? What is their income? Getting to know who that is and who you're speaking to is integral part of building out the next steps of that strategy. The last kind of how to build it out is highlighting the touch points of where that target consumer that we just talked about is going to be. Is that print? Is that social media? Is that in-store marketing? Is that Amazon only? Is that in Times Square in New York? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like we're thinking big here. But highlighting and identifying where that is. And then you build out the tactics and execution of what that looks like, which is very, very tedious and different for everyone. But I think it's that solid foundation with those pieces I highlighted. And then where is this going to live for the brand to hit the masses or hit that target consumer? Where is it going to live? And what are those touch points? And identifying that and then building out the execution from there. Yeah, it sounds like there is a ton of foundation that happens before you even push it out, which is why I was really excited to talk to you about this. I think one of the things that we really started diving into before we scheduled this was the viral moments and unpacking those things as well. Because I feel like in the conversations we had, we talked about foundation, we talked about viral moments, and then what happens afterwards. And I think they kind of go not hand in hand, but I think that you can use a viral moment as a great way to dissect that brand strategy in there. So if we can dive into just virality and unpacking that a little bit and how that connects to your brand, because I think a lot of brands right now are just foaming at the mouth for a viral moment. The viral moment is going to change everything. That's when all the sales are going to come in. The company will just shift completely, which I'm sure that there are examples out there of that happening. But also there was a plan before, during and after. So dissect that a little bit with me. Yeah, everyone wants that viral moment, right? I think a lot of new brands I talk to are like, what's going to make us go viral on TikTok? And it's like, you have to remember the ones that go viral randomly are such outliers that it's not really something that we can really plan. When it comes to that viral moment, we talk about this foundation of a brand strategy, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Without that, that viral moment is so short-lived. Yeah. If you don't have the good product to lean back on because it goes viral and people realize it sucks. Okay, well, we're SOL here. 
if you don't have that team that believes in the product to do the job, how are you going to fulfill what comes after a viral moment, right? How are you going to continue to provide value and product to these consumers? So we can go through line by line of how important that foundation of that brand strategy is before this viral moment happens. And I think if you see brands that have gone viral, and a lot of them, I'm going to use makeup as an example in this conversation. A big TikToker, let's just say, uses a new contour wand on TikTok. And everyone starts using it and recreating it, and it goes viral. It has a viral moment. If you look at this contour wand or whatever this product is, you will see the foundation. The packaging is beautiful. People want to go buy it. It's available. It's accessible. They have the branding. They have the name. They have the team. And they are already in the media and in the consumer's face at other places, in store, on social media. They have that existing platform to where that viral moment is not just a moment. It's longer. And I think that's what brands need to be searching for is how to remain relevant after the viral push versus just that moment. And I cannot harp enough on how important that foundation is to create and feel really strong in before you go and throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks for a viral moment. What would you say then is a common mistake that brands have? Is it thinking that you can create virality? Is it expecting too much from a viral moment or is it not setting the foundation? It could be a combination as far as common mistakes that companies make. I think the biggest mistake here is when the whole goal is to go viral. And I know that sounds silly and you're like, what in marketing would you do that? It's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I talk to a lot of brands to potentially work with and that's what they ask me for first thing. And it's like, how did this become a goal in your marketing strategy? It's something that is great and you can work toward. But I think focusing on just virality is a big mistake. And of course, they all go hand in hand. If that's what you want and you work toward that and you throw spaghetti at the wall and something does stick and you're not prepared to how to handle that, it's a pointless time anyways. So it's a really, really interesting thing, this like going viral obsession. And it does happen. I think TikTok is a big reason why it's become more top of mind for a lot of brands and brand teams. But again, if you're not prepared, if you're not proactive versus reactive, if you're not looking at what comes next after this viral moment, what good is that going to do for the brand, the team, people working on it and the consumer in the long run? Yeah, that's so true. And the viral moments, I think they're outcomes that happen from a good brand strategy, which to your point, it is all those foundational pieces and really tying those all together. So that viral moment can just live on and get stitched or whatnot or get referenced and fingers crossed becomes part of the zeitgeist of the things that we talk about, right? I think that's key. But How would you measure the success then of a brand strategy? Like a viral moment is like an outcome and it's only one thing. How as a brand can I measure the success of any brand strategy that I start to execute? Actually, I should say the tactics from the brand strategy that I build out. How am I measuring success, quote unquote, of a brand strategy? I think we can look at this with two pieces, quantitative and qualitative results. First and foremost, What's your goal for your brand strategy? If it's awareness, we're going to look at quantitative results like reach or number of views, impressions. Who are we reaching? How many people? CPM is a good one, which is cost per thousand impressions. Again, 
going back to that, how many people did we reach and how much did it cost to reach them? Those are, are really important quantitative pieces to measuring an awareness goal with a brand strategy. When it comes to maybe a more conversion or sales-driven approach to a marketing or brand strategy, you're going to switch those quantitative key performance indicators and look at website traffic, cost per click, time on site, average uh-huh. order value on site. There's a lot that we could go through, and I feel like it sounds like gibberish. But things I really want to highlight is those quantitative results are very important, and they're very quick snapshot of like, are we moving in the right direction, doing the right things? The qualitative data is where some people are not putting enough emphasis. And when I say qualitative data, I mean, what are the consumers saying? What are they commenting on these viral posts? Are they interested? Is the sentiment positive? Is it negative? Are you solving a problem for them? Are they repeat consumers? Are you meeting the needs of the people and the consumer that you are targeting? And I think the best way to look at that Quantitative is great. Cost per click, CPM, whatever, great. What are people saying? How are they engaging with you? Are they coming back? And is the sentiment good for your brand online? Is it positive, neutral, negative? What is it? And I think those are ways to measure success. You want to look at it as a whole, but I really want to emphasize those qualitative pieces. I couldn't agree more. The quantitative absolutely makes sense. And the qualitative is something that I know I myself preach all the time as well. So I'm curious because you mentioned sentiment and I was going to ask you a follow-up on that because I get a lot of questions of like, how do you even measure sentiment? Is there a tool you use for sentiment analysis that can really help determine, all right, what are people saying or how are they saying it? Am I gathering just all of the comments and how many comments and who does that, especially if you're a smaller team? So how are you gathering that qualitative information so that you can measure out sentiment? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do that. And I think if you are a larger team with a larger budget, you do lean into those platforms that pull keywords and pull the maps of who's saying what and what are the comments. And if you're working with an agency of some sort, usually they have their own platforms that do that per brand client, which is in my experience has been the most efficient way of getting it done. But if you aren't a bigger brand with a team like that or with an agency of record or something like that with a big budget, it is a little bit more manual. You do want to lean into your social media and community management team and talk to them every day. What are people DMing us? What does it look like? And it doesn't have to be exact, but those people on the front lines, as I used to call it when I was on the brand side, I'm on the front lines over here answering the DMs. But talking to that team and really hearing what they're hearing from the consumers every day or reading, it is a little bit more manual. And there is a way to do it. It's more time consuming, but you can still get a gut feeling for if the bulk of the conversation is positive and engaged versus do we have to pull on a crisis management team here? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, we've got to be able to map all of that out. I do appreciate the fact that you said, you know, you have to stay connected to your social media and your community team, which kind of leans into one of my final questions of really examples of companies that are doing it really well, executing good brand strategy, leveraging social media to help them build their brand. Do you have any examples? I have so many and I want to give a big mass brand first. I don't even have to elaborate. Once I say it, you're going to be like, yes, Dove. I mean, there's nothing more I need to say. So true. 
they've got their messaging down pat. They've got their team down pat. They touch every touch point from Super Bowl commercials to TikTok to in-store signage that's beautiful to really getting that messaging right and really hitting that emotional piece with their consumer, with their messaging. I can't even explain to you that's a huge brand who does things the right way. They have done that, I would say, for almost 10 years. I just looked at the date because I'm like, what year is it? (laughs) I would say since I can remember like 2013 to 2015, where I really started to notice their marketing efforts, they just have done it so, so well. And it's a huge brand and they have so many resources. So I want to go to like the smaller side and share a brand that I think has done a great job. And I'm hoping people have heard of this company, Olipop. Have you heard of Olipop? Of course I've heard of Olipop. Oh, that's a good Olipop shout out. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, love ya. <laughs> Olipop, you know. <laughs> exactly. We'll drop the contact information in the episode. <laughs> I mean, they're very sweet, hardworking. They are a brand that, in my opinion, they started so small, they're obviously growing now and growing yeah. into more places, but they have a banging product. So we don't even have to talk about that, right? Like I think yeah. well, packaging looks good, all the things I could say, but I really want to commend them on how they've been prepared for the marketing piece and how they've also adapted in their marketing. So I think originally it was more grassroots sampling, things that fit into their budget. I think they dabbled in the influencer space a little bit. But then they had a little moment and don't remember I'm on boy band TikTok. So remember that from the beginning. (laughs) We also on Justin Bieber TikTok. Again, outing myself here. (laughs) All the skeletons are coming out of the closet right there. (laughs) There was a moment, I don't know when it was. I think it was in the last year, year and a half. Justin Bieber was on tour and like drinking an Olipop. And there was like paparazzi pictures of him drinking this. Yeah. Like small brand, amazing product. And so they capitalized on that. And that was a little viral moment for them because they caught wind of this, whether it was they sent it to him or not. I have no idea. They caught wind of it. They capitalized on social media. But again, they were prepared. They had all the boxes checked to kind of capitalize on that, keep moving in that direction. And their growth is astounding. And I think it's because of their brand strategy. And it all started with a phenomenal product, which I'll like, I think it's great. So shout out to Olipop. They've done a phenomenal job in the industry. And I think they were a Kickstarter for that healthier soda yeah. that now there are tons of options for. So I'm going to say Dove for our large mass brand. Yeah. I could go on forever about their campaigns. And then for a smaller brand that started with a small budget, probably still has one. I'm going to give it to all the people. Those are good awards to give and really great examples. And one of the things that I really want to hone in on when it comes to the examples that you gave is to your point, They're both really solid products, but they have a very strong narrative that they always lean back on. Dove, in every single campaign, you know that emotional pull. It is about being your authentic self. And literally every tactic, every campaign, you feel that. I also feel the same way about Olipop. Like they know who they are and they don't stray away from it. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing when you're building out your narrative. It doesn't have to be this incredibly long story. I mean, if I had to tagline what my overall narrative is, this is what it is. That's the consistent feeling. But all of these things build into having a really strong brand strategy that people 
can feel. There's emotion in every brand strategy. That to me is the hook. How do I hook them? There is a pain point, right? People want to feel good. That's a dove thing. Like Olipop, like I want soda, but soda is not really great for me. People understand that sentiment and that emotional hook is what gets people. Yeah. The emotional connection, I touched on it very, very slightly early, but that's a huge piece of this. I also think it's a hard code to crack for a lot of brands. What do we emotionally connect? And it's so funny. I think Dove and Olipop are so different in their emotional connection where Dove is like making everyone feel beautiful in themselves. And they've done a phenomenal job with that. And Olipop, I almost want to use the word cool. I feel like people want to feel cool. (laughs) I mean, don't be sorry. Justin Bieber drinks their product. It's a little bit of that emotion. Like, I want to be part of that. That's so true. Like, it's cool not to be a soda drinker. Yeah. Or like, I'm making a healthier choice for myself. And that's cool. Right. That sounded a little shallow, but no, I don't think it sounds shallow. Who doesn't want to be cool? I mean, listen, none of us want to not feel good. And cool is a good emotion. So I think that you're cool, Lisa, just so you know. (laughs) Cool. Even with my admissions about my TikTok for you page, it's fine. I think that's what makes you cool is those admissions. So I have a final question for you. Okay. If you knew then what you know now, what's the marketing advice that you give to yourself? I thought about this question beforehand and I wanted to give like a long-winded answer, but I think it can make it more succinct. And I just think that I would tell myself I'm very type A and I want things a certain way and I'm detail-oriented. That's great. But I think when it comes to marketing and brand strategy... And really being successful in that space, it's not a science. Again, we talked about quantitative versus qualitative. It's not a science. We can't forget that qualitative piece of it. We can't forget that emotional connection. We can't forget the meaning behind what we're doing. And I would say to tell myself it's not a science and there will be ups and downs. There will be like trial and error, but to not forget to lean into the emotional aspect of building out a brand strategy, of being a marketer, and of being ultimately somebody who's helping bring stories to life for brands. I couldn't agree more. And what a great way to end a great conversation with you. Thank you for dropping your knowledge and sharing your thoughts and tactics and insights on building a brand strategy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me chat about this for hours. I really appreciate it. And I hope that people have some fun learnings from this. So thank you so much. I love talking about branding and I really enjoyed my time with Lisa. Here are my key takeaways from today's show. Number one, building a solid brand strategy requires a good product or service as a foundation, followed by clear messaging presentation, a team that believes in promoting the product or the service, identifying the target consumer and highlighting those touch points where the brand will live and reach that target audience. Now, the tactics and the execution are different brand to brand, but those are kind of the common denominators that are important for building a successful brand strategy. Number two, the importance of having a strong foundation in brand strategy before even trying to create a viral moment is important. While viral moments can be a really great way to gain exposure and potentially increase sales, I know that's what everybody's looking for, they're often short-lived 
And without a solid foundation, a brand may not really be able to sustain the momentum from virality. Therefore, it's important to focus on building a strong brand strategy that includes a good product and a team that believes in it. Number three, a successful brand strategy also involves both quantitative and qualitative measures of success. Quantitative measures are simple. Well, not simple, but I guess they're the numbers that everyone's kind of used to. Reach, impressions, website traffic, and cost per click provide really kind of a quick snapshot of performance, while qualitative measures things such as consumer sentiment, engagement, and repeat business. And it provides more of just kind of this nuanced understanding of really how well a brand is doing. Is it meeting the needs of that target audience? It's important to measure both types of data to really kind of fully evaluate the success of brand strategy. Now, I'd love to hear the nuggets of insight that you walked away with from today's episode. Subscribe and follow on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thank you to my podcast producers, the amazing team at Content Allies. Let me know if you want information. I'm obsessed with them and I love to share. Check out the episode page to learn more about Lisa and also how you can get in touch with me. Thanks for spending your time with me today. And until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off.